Hello, everyone. Salim Omar here from the e-commerce Money Map podcast. Welcome. I'm super excited. We've got an amazing guest. She's an expert on SEO, digital marketing. Can't wait to dive into the questions. Joe Bellastrino. Joe, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Great. Joe brings 19 years of experience, both in search engine optimization and pay-per-clicks. He's authored a few books and guides that are available on Amazon. He's worked for agencies, freelanced, owned his own agency. He's been interviewed by news organizations such as NBC, CNBC, and NPR. His expertise is in Google Ads, SEO. Some of his clients include Muscle & Fitness, Ed Week, Barton Bands, Reader's Digest, and many others. And today we're going to talk about search engine optimization and really driving traffic, quality traffic. So we're talking about digital marketing, online marketing for a very specific audience, and that is startup e-commerce businesses. So if you're an e-commerce business that is doing seven figures and over, some of these strategies will work, but others won't, and we're going to do another episode for you. But if you are a startup, tune in, listen up, because Joe's going to share some golden nuggets with you that's going to help you grow your revenues, your, your top line. So Joe, with that said, what makes a startup unique when it comes to search engine marketing or online marketing? You know, new businesses, you know, whenever somebody gets an idea that they want to start a business, and I'm guilty of this myself, whenever I get an idea of doing something, just kind of like throw yourself in it and, and you just want to immerse yourself in it and get as much done as you possibly can. I think the first thing that I come across with people when they start new businesses is not planning, like not looking ahead. Like they, they focus on, you know, I'm starting a new business. I need a website. And then they build a website and then they say, okay, now I need to do SEO. But then based on how your website is structured, you may need to change some things around or add some things or change completely the way products are categorized if you're doing e-commerce. And so to me, it's, it's better to get a visual of planning out the steps of, Everything from what niche you're going to go into to what platform you're going to use for your website, all the costs that are involved in that. And then how are you going to market your website? Because I get about 20 or so people a day that reach out to me saying, Hey, I have this business. I want to market it, but it's either, you know, it's too saturated. They're going after jewelry and, and everyone's doing jewelry. And they don't realize that, you know, the market space they're going in is very competitive. It's hard to get in front of people or they're using a platform that doesn't give them the functionality to build out the site the way they need to in order to, you know, optimize it for SEO. It's maybe one page or two pages or there's some other issue that it doesn't have. So I think in the beginning, when you start with a small business, it's good to, you know, figure out what's the niche, what platform you're going to use, and then how you're going to market it. And then set aside money to market it because a lot of times when people come to me, they say, you know, I only have 10, $15, you know, a day to spend to market a business. And in reality, it's very hard to market a business on that little bit of money. So how would you do? And let's, you know, Joe, and let's say you're starting a new e-commerce business. What would Joe Bellestrina do with a shoestring budget to grow his e-commerce business? Well, let's take the harder question out of the way. Let's assume I already know what it is I want to do. And I, I have an example already because you and I had discussed earlier, I had written a book on e-commerce. And in the book, 
I use an example of a website that sells men's wallets, right? So if I'm going to build the e-commerce website around men's wallets, I'm not just going to name it men's wallets and just throw all the wallets on there. And then, you know, I'm done. I'm going to try to leverage as much SEO as I possibly can by going after keywords that are a little bit what we call longer tail, meaning there's more keywords used in the search. Like men's wallet is going to be super hard, super competitive. There's no way I'm going to rank for it for a very, very, very long time because there's bigger brands that are ranking for that. But if I categorize my men's store in a way of maybe categorizing the wallets by material type. So I have leather wallets, maybe there's pleather wallets, there's metal wallets, there's RFID wallets. So there's all these wallets. So now I'm creating a category for each one of those wallets. Now I went from trying to rank for men's wallets to men's leather wallets or, you know, leather wallets and metal wallets. Then as I build out those categories, now I'm going to put all of my wallets into the right categories. Now that they're in the right categories, now I'm going to even get more granular and I'm going to say I have a men's black metal or maybe men's aluminum, black aluminum wallet. Now I'm getting super specific. There's less competition. Somebody Googling, you know, if I had a black leather wallet with the stars on it, sure, maybe there's not a lot of people searching for it, but if somebody was searching for that specifically, and they landed on my website, that's pretty much, you know, a a good chance of getting a sale because it's very specific. And then at some point I I grew the website out and I went after men's watches, but they weren't just any watches. They were minimalist watches. And then I categorized them by, again, what type of watch. I had a faceless watch. So the watch didn't have any numbers on it. It was completely faceless. And that was the one that I sold the most of because I ranked for that because it was men's, you know, watchless face or with leather strap or something like that. And so you can optimize for the main category, the subcategory, meaning men's wallets, right? If I have men's leather wallets, I can then build out a subcategory that says, here's all the men's bifold leather wallets. And then here's all the men's trifold leather wallets. So now I have men's leather wallets, trifolds and bifolds. Now I have three categories. Three opportunities for, you know, getting SEO traffic. But then on the product level, I would say men's black leather wallet with, you know, coin purse. Now that's super specific. And then I get more chance of getting SEO traffic easier to rank for because it's more specific. And the bigger guys, they're not thinking that granular. They know that they they just want to go after the bigger, more competitive keywords because they can. But for the smaller guy, then you have opportunity there. And then you can go off on writing blog content on choosing the right men's leather bifold wallet. And then you would, that blog post would contain, you know, your top five or 10 best sellers and it resonates with the audience. You're more likely to rank for it. People will link to it. So if I was building out a website today, that's, that's how I would do it. Yeah. Interestingly enough, there was a book and, and a company that came to my mind and it's totally unrelated to e-commerce. And the name of that company is Southwest Airlines. And many, many years back, I read a book by the CEO, Herb Kelleher. He wrote this book called Nuts because Herb was nuts. And he created a company that was totally out of the box, right? And, you know, this, they chose the routes with small airports, right? And they were not the routes that the bigger guys were taking. 
right? The American right. Airways and so forth. And I don't know, that came to my mind is don't compete with the people that it's going to be hard to compete with, right? So men's leather wallet is like super high, you know, that's a, you know, that's a keyword that's expensive to, right. you know, it's, you've got to spend a lot of money in marketing. So loved your approach in how you find the niches and then yeah. expand from there, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to think when you don't have a lot of money, you have to think about, and, and it's also great for when you decide you want to do paid ads. So now if you're doing paid ads, you're not going to bid on men's leather wallet and send them to a landing page with a whole bunch of leather wallets because it's still too broad. That means the person who's searching thinks they want a wallet, but they're not really sure. So they may buy, they may not buy. And hopefully you have enough of a selection for them to choose. But now if you break it down to men's leather bifold wallets, then you can bid on men's leather bifold wallet and send it to a page. Now you may have some different colors and different styles, but you're getting more specific. But you can get even more specific than that by saying, here's all the men's black leather bifold wallets and then send them to there. Now you're just bidding on men's black, black bifold wallet. Now you're, you're even getting more laser focused and you're increasing your chances of getting a sale than just sending somebody to, you know, a page with a broad term, which, you know, it, it's like anything you shop for. Nobody goes out and says, I want to buy a pair of shoes. That's too broad. That means it's like somebody shopping for a gift. I want a wedding gift, but they don't know what they want. But if the more specific they get and they get more specific by using more keywords, then you narrow down the competition, but then you get more specific with the audience and you got a better chance of getting a sale that way. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned keywords and you mentioned that a few times, long tail keywords and so forth. You also mentioned blog posts. And I want to ask you a question. What is a blog post? How frequently should one create one? Is that content marketing? And are there other forms of blogs or creating content other than a blog? So, so blogs have value. It depends. If you're a dentist and you're writing a blog post on how to whiten your teeth and you only service New York City, nobody's Googling how to whiten my teeth in New York City. To me, in my opinion, and I'm doing this almost 20 years is a waste of time. Now, if you're selling a product and somebody wants to compare something, a metal wallet versus an RFID wallet. Or what is an RFID wallet? What does it do? Is it worth having one? Then having the content is important because you're getting people who are early in the process. They're doing research. So I want to show up when somebody's doing research. So when they're ready to buy, they're more likely to buy from me because I answered their question. And I'm getting them on, again, another longer tail keyword that doesn't compete with the bigger brands. And then, you know, I'm helping build my authority as an expert on men's wallets because the content I'm writing is about, you know, men's wallets or whatever it is around men's. You get expanded to ties and, and, and watches. It's similar theme, but the content follows. And then I would use that content in advertising and social media posts. There's a lot that you can do with that. And you don't always have to continually write new content. Like if you have 20 articles, you're not going to write 15 of them on how to choose a men's wallet. You can go in there and update it, refresh the date. If I wrote it, even on my site, I've written content 
two, three years ago. And all I do is I update it, refresh it, you know, maybe add a link or two, update the images, repost it. And it's like a new post and, you know, it's already got links and it's already acquired some, you know, authority. And now it's got new life. So the pain point I hear a lot is I don't have the time or the money to constantly write content. And if you write bad content or just write content for the sake of writing content, it's not going to be good content. And so it's not going to provide any value. And so you're wasting your time where if you had an article that talked about, you know, top 10 or top five men's bifold wallets, somebody's going to link to that. You're going to have links to individual products, or maybe you have a video that maybe you've done about showing these, these wallets and, and you give your content more value, more engagement, and, and there's more value in that. Yeah. Yeah. So create good content, focusing on creating good content, but then that content can be reused, repurposed, refreshed. So it can be, you know, brought out because people have, will have missed it the first time, the second time. So bring it out there. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about free traffic in a way. Search engine optimization it doesn't cost you to, to pay Google or Facebook, you know, for, for an ad. Let's shift gears and talk about paid traffic for the startup e-commerce business owner. Is there a place? Should they consider? Should they think about paid traffic? Where does that fit in? in addition to search engine optimization, which is perceived as like free advertising? Well, there's pros and cons to paid ads. Uh, there's pros and cons to everything. But with the paid ads, if you have your site structured well, you know, like I, in the example I, I gave or a few of the examples I gave, you make sending people to your ads better. They get a better user experience and you're able to convert more. If you're doing something like shopping ads, if you have a thousand products and your budget's $20 a day, I can tell you for a fact that what'll happen is after about a month of running ads, you'll say, Google ads doesn't work. It's a scam, but it's because you were trying to spend $20 on a thousand products. And maybe today, five products get a click. Tomorrow, a different five products get a click. And then the day after that, a different five, and you know, and then you're not spending enough money to get the data to determine which keywords or which products convert. When I pitch clients, one of the first slides I show them when I do an audit is 80% of your business is going to come from 20% of your products, right? Whether that's online shopping or it's keywords, because when you start spending money, you realize that some keywords or some products convert better at a cheaper cost, while others either don't convert at all or convert at too high of a cost. And that's okay. But in the beginning, you have to realize you're spending money to find out what those products are. And as you find that information out, you're either pausing keywords or you're pausing products. And then when you get down to around that 20%, now you're just spending money on products that are already converting and giving you a good return on your investment. And so you can funnel more money there. You obviously still have to do the maintaining of adding negative keywords and making adjustments where needed. But, you know, the idea is, is to spend enough money. And if you don't have a lot of money to advertise on a hundred products, then advertise on 10 products or one category, start small. And then when you're profitable, then move on to the next category. So if I was doing, you know, the example with the wallets, Maybe I would start with just advertising my men's leather trifold wallets. And I would do that to find out which ones were profitable. And I'm starting to make money. I'm spending 
$500 and I'm making $2,000. I'm profitable. Now let me spend some money into the next category and get that profitable and then continue on versus trying to do everything with just a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. Would you say that for the new e-commerce business owner to start paid ads sooner than later? So as soon as they're starting, you know, launching their sales channel, their website and so forth, they should start the paid ads account as well? It depends on how, how well, like Google ads can be complex and Google's done things to make, you know, whether it's shopping ads, which is now pro max or, or any kind of automated strategy. If you don't know what you're doing and you just put money into it, then it's not helping you. Right. So it, you, you want to make sure that you either take a course or you hire someone to either coach you or teach you how to do the basics so that you can try it on your own. And then it's a good way to start and test the waters as to understanding, you know, even if long term you don't want to manage it and you want to have someone else manage it. You should still understand the fundamentals, how it works, how complicated it is. It's not as simple as just plugging. A lot of people just plug in one ad group with all the keywords that are relevant to their business and then just run one ad. And then they don't realize like it's generating a lot of irrelevant searches and spending a mm. lot of money and not performing. So if you have the money and you have the resources, it's easier to run Google ads and get data and then create an SEO strategy. Then to create an SEO strategy first. And the reason why is in 2004, I started my first agency and clients would come to me and this is early on in my career. And they would say, Hey, Joe, I want to rank number one for this keyword. And back then it was easier to rank for keywords. And after a few months, you get the client ranking and the client would get on the first page. And then the next issue would be, I'm not getting any sales, mm. but, but we're ranking number one for this keyword. But what I realized early on is, is just because you choose a keyword, it doesn't mean that that's the keyword that brings your business. So you can spend a lot of time and resources trying to rank for a key phrase that then turns around and doesn't produce any business where you can just, you know, take the keywords and run ads. And, you know, maybe there's only 15 ways somebody looks for your business. But there could be hundreds of ways that they look for your business. And how are you going to know which one is the right one? And I give you a good example. Years ago, you know, Google didn't care like how many websites you promoted at the same time in the same account using the same keywords. So I had a client who was filling the same product on three different domains, the same pricing, the same photos. The only thing that was different was the colors. One was red, one was green, one was blue. Mm. I could tell you the blue website, some keywords did really well, converted way better. But the red site, those same keywords didn't work. And when you think about it, it's like, well, why Why is that? The pricing is the same and the products, even the images were the same. It was just the color. Like some things draw attention to other people. And if you find out what keywords are converting to your website on the paid side, it's easier than to say, I know that these keywords work. So now I have proof of concept. I spent money to determine that these keywords produce sales for me or do deliver the right results. And so now I'm going to create my SEO strategy versus creating an SEO strategy, putting time and money. Yeah, it, it's longer and harder now to, to, to rank for uh, organically for keywords. It could take you a year or more for very competitive keywords and then just to rank and then determine 
you know, that it's just not the right keyword for you, then it's really disheartening to spend all that time and money to find out that it's not the right keyword. Hmm, interesting. And I want to kind of connect it with what you said a little bit earlier, where, you know, someone's ranking high for a keyword, you know, they're bringing traffic in, but they're not buying, right? They're not getting a sale. So are you differentiating like the two types of keywords, the, those that result in a sale and, you know, and those that don't, like the, there's a difference there between those two keywords or is there, you know, there's more to it and there's a customer journey and it's like what else is on the website and how that keyword is used and what the journey looks like? It depends on the product, right? If it's a product, if it's an impulse buy, if it's a cheap enough price that somebody's willing to spend at the moment, then the buyer's journey is not a big deal. If it's a product where it takes a, you know, a husband and a wife or two spouses to make a decision or it's a big purchase and there needs to be some time and consideration thought about, then having a strategy of educating the consumer, you know, with blog posts or getting their email to then give them nurturing campaigns and sending them information, it makes sense. But like with, with smaller businesses, if I'm selling a wallet, uh, and, and here's where a lot of people make mistakes, and I think it's important to call this out, is if I go to your website and I'm going to buy something like, you know, a pair of earbuds, and, you know, I see this pop-up that says, save 10% off as soon as I go to the website. And for me, the first thing I'm going to think is, these products are probably already overpriced because you're already giving me a discount before I even hit the website. So mm -hmm. I didn't even get to see the price yet, but you're already telling me it's overpriced and you want to save me money. Uh, when I run e-commerce sites, I don't put that on there. When do I give you a discount? I give you a discount if you put it in the cart and it sits there for a while. Then I'll send you an email and say, hey, you left this in the cart. Here's a coupon or here's a discount to push them along. But why would I discount something right off the bat? Maybe they would buy it full price. But now I've discounted. I've told people I'm overpriced. Here's the discount. If I if I'm willing to give you ten, is the product twenty five percent over? You know, too expensive. And then I'm going to worry about that. Or, you know, if I see social media icons and subscribe to a newsletter on a site where I'm going to go shopping, there's tools out there, and I see it happen all the time. People come in, they see the the social media icons in the top right hand corner or they see something else and they click it. They go to Instagram, you paid $15 and have somebody go to your website to go check out Instagram. So to me, it's all about, I want somebody to come to the site. I just want them to buy. If they don't buy or retarget them, or if they scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page because they made it that far, then maybe sure there's a newsletter sign up there. But I don't want to spend money to send somebody to get their email address, or I don't want to spend somebody you know, to go and check out their Facebook page. I want them to do something and either they're going to do it or they're not. If I can get them to a product page specifically, I want them to go to the product page and I want to make sure there's everything there that consumers need. They're going to want to know, is there a money back guarantee? How fast is the shipping? What are the reviews? Like you need to know who your audience is. You need to know what it is that they need to know in order to feel comfortable making that purchase. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what the keywords are or how much money you spend. It's not going to convert because it's not just keywords and just not sending people to your web page. It's what's on the web page that gets them to buy. The ad just brings them there. If you have a good ad or a good photo in your products, you will get them to your website. But if you don't have the right data to close the deal, then they're not going to buy anyway. 
Amazing. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Joe, you've written a book on the subject of e-commerce. Is that available for our listeners, for our viewers? Yeah, yeah. It's on Amazon. It's called Search Engine Marketing for E-Commerce Businesses. You can go down there and download it, or you, you can have a hard copy or a digital copy. It's there for you if you guys want to check it out and read it in there. I lay out uh, screenshots of how I would build out my e-commerce site, just like I described in the interview here, so that people can see how it's structured. And I think it's written specifically for Shopify websites because that was that's the most popular platform so that they understand how collection pages are used and, and how to set those up. That's awesome. Highly encourage everyone. We're going to have that in the show notes. Is there any other way you want folks to reach out to you to connect with you? You can connect to me on my website, joebalestrino.com, or you can connect to me uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Joe Balestrino. Awesome. Joe, this was so insightful. Our time like just flew by. You've got so much knowledge and expertise in this area. So I really appreciate you sharing it with us. There's not much in here, but uh, that information, it's it's loaded with it. (laughs) Great. Great to have you, man. We need to have you again back for more strategies on more established folks. You know, today's interview is really, episode is really focusing on the startup, you know, e-commerce businesses. But yeah, we definitely have to bring you on. So hopefully you'll accept my next invitation to have you over. Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks everyone for watching, listening to this. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce money map podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find them at ecommercemoneymap.com or on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want to learn more about the e-commerce accounting hub, visit ecommerceaccountinghub.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the e-commerce money map podcast.